Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Character Arc Podcast. I'm Richard Bertelson. And I'm Ted Hong. And today we have a very special guest. Aaron Summers. Thank you for joining us, Aaron. My absolute pleasure, guys. So, as you may know, uh, each week we listen to a movie. Uh, We each give a general synopsis of that movie, which is the first time any of us know if we enjoyed the movie or not. And then after that, we'll go into a more general discussion where we'll talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, any changes we would make if we were the ones making the movie, and then give some final thoughts. This week, we watched Good Boys. We're in sixth grade now. We need to start doing sixth grade things. I know what cocaine is. Annabelle, get the fuck out of here! Be back, boys only, you little shit! Annabelle's been watching Dateline. She now knows what cocaine is. Hi. Starting with the uh, synopsis, the personal synopsis, we're going to go ahead and start with the guest. A veritable badass who totally deserves his own franchise named Soren has a story completely overshadowed by three people who are way less fun to watch. <laughs> Damn it, that's good. <laughs> oh, Soren, so mysterious. So I really charged like with kid. sexual energy. Right? He has his shit together. <laughs> that's does. what's important. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's a good one. Man, mine's really... Oh, well. Um, here we go. So three sheltered, prepubescent boys navigate through a life of sex, drugs, and alcohol. All right. All right. I mean, that's pretty much the movie. <laughs> <laughs> a world of alcohol is a real, like, Played. generous description of alcohol's involvement in this movie. The synopsis was supposed to be accurate? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my synopsis is three young boys unrelentingly engage in peer pressure and cave at every turn. So, uh, I guess we can start discussing the movie, but first, how did we all feel about this movie, just real quick, before we get into specifics? I was really eh. Yeah, the comedy was uneven, and everything else was just bad. I felt like I wanted to slap the children sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I didn't care that much. I no. just didn't. And it was I, very it, hard. The, the humor was mostly pretty juvenile. Yeah. I laughed sometimes. There was, but... I feel like they really tuned up, or... Uh, they really maxed out all the the cursing for kids because it's like I think they went on this idea as like oh these kids they're young so let's get them to cuss as much as possible to make it funny exactly and you know without maybe over twenty years of South Park and the Zeitgeist they might have been able to stretch that into ninety minutes right but it's kind of old hat now little yeah. kids saying curse words yeah and that's the problem the jokes themselves weren't necessarily that funny it was more the the idea oh well these young kids are doing it so therefore it's funny but no you still have to make a joke it's not yeah that's that joke lasts for the very first time you see it and then everything else you need to write an actual joke yeah and sometimes the kids did nail the delivery where i was surprised i was laughed that they said fuck yeah but they said fuck about a fox fucking a squirrel yeah just about every every opportunity. So it really felt like a writer was trying to plug in as many jokes as possible. And so it, what it really did was dilute any sort of impact on any of any any of what they said. Yeah, like how funny were every single conflict that they walked into just on its face? Yeah, yeah, n- nothing. It just. I mean, really, you want to you want to talk about synopsis of this movie? Is that? Three kids get invited to a party, one breaks his dad's drone, and they try to get a replacement drone so he doesn't get grounded so he can go to the party. That's the plot. And it's yeah. it could be a Dennis the Menace cartoon. Yeah. Essentially. It's very yeah. basic, very simple. And that's uh, not necessarily wrong. They could you know, go with that. Like we okay, so upon watching this, we all made the comparison to uh Book Smart and Super Bad. 
right? Yeah. So I would only really compare it though, in that that's what it wants to be. I don't think it matches that. I don't think it matches either movie. I haven't seen Superbad in a really long time. I have a feeling I would feel differently about it now. But Booksmart is amazing, and I remember enjoying Superbad at the time. I feel like this. It doesn't get the point because both of those movies, whether they can be criticized or not, both of those movies do have an emotional connection between the primary protagonists. This one doesn't. It tries to. The kids try to force it in between scenes, these really emotional talks, but they we don't see their friendship in a way that makes us feel like they need... Like, when anytime their friendship's in danger, I don't care because they are not real people. Right, yeah, toward the end, uh, like, the second half of the movie is when they actually started to play on that that theme because in the beginning it didn't seem like any of that was going on in terms of like the second half was more like oh we need to kind of stick together uh you, you could kind of see that through lucas's arc i guess um but like the other two characters it didn't seem like they were gonna tr- like there was any fear of them splitting up and i think you start to see that build very early in the movie because the first time you really see it would be i think when thor is going to sign up for the musical but then the other kids make fun of him mm-hmm. and so he crosses it off so it's kind of like that moment is fine where he's like oh i don't want to do it anymore but then every time they ever talk about the music again it's so weak it's so on the nose and it's so melodramatic that's his character <laughs> that and being the one friend that fronts tough but is absolutely transparent. Right. And, of course, he becomes even more transparent when it comes to some moment of truth. When he uh, chickens out uh, early with a beer mm-hmm. and then when he attempts to redeem himself, which he does in this movie by oh, uh, deciding to uh, not give in to peer pressure yes. at the party oh, later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Not kissing the... The love object of Max's affection yeah. during a spin the bottle. His future wife. Yeah. <laughs> Is it too early to talk about good things? Uh, no, I think. No, no, let's yeah. go ahead and talk about good yeah, things. Yeah, what'd you like about <laughs> it? Uh, yeah. uh, just one thing that I thought was astute in the writing, something that really did feel like kids of this age, was their concept of time and right. uh, how. Absolute, well, how next to non-existent it is uh, right. compared to the adults watching them. He's gar- he believes his first crush is going to be with him for the rest of his life. Right. And, uh, and then oh, in the yeah. final montage, essentially, <laughs> Max goes through three girlfriends and we learn afterward it's been four weeks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, Max, what is Max doing? What? In terms I of mean, just going through going the ladies. Through, I know, yeah. right? Max is the one who went through puberty first. All I can think of was uh, from the movie Room. Because I is he the kid from Room? He's the kid from Room. Oh wow! Yeah, and that's why I could only think of him in that capacity. So the idea was that a, a girl was abducted and she was impregnated, and so the kid has the kid and her has been stuck in, you guess it, a room, for <laughs> the titular room. Yeah, like basically a shed that her abductor fortified into like a studio apartment. Yeah, she could never go out. They had they had never ever left the premises. But yeah, he's in that movie. He is the kid. I imagine Max as that kid. So it's kind of weird, and I couldn't get past it. Brothers Darkness. Yeah. I will actually say, I mean, I didn't have that issue because I didn't see the room. I'm familiar with the movie in a general concept, but I didn't actually sit right, down right. and watch it. But one thing that I did like, actually, I thought all of the kids were really good actors. Oh, I yeah, think absolutely. that it would have been nice if they were given better lines to say. But I thought that they were all believable in what they were asked to do. Oh, I, th- yeah. I would like to see these kids do other things because I think that they... They can all be funny, and they can all be entertaining. And they right. were in this movie, too. Don't get me wrong. I didn't think I didn't hate the whole movie. 
it just was all so flat to me for the most part. That's actually something I do want to address because it doesn't feel like the characters are fully formed. Like, we get the idea, like, if we were to kind of sum them up. So Max is the... Uh, he's Thor. he's the straight man in a romantic comedy yeah, in the exactly. sense of, like, he's he's your average Joe who's yeah. just trying to, like, find, find his... Love. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and then you have Thor. His main problem is the peer pressure. And then with Lucas, it's trying to keep the family together. Yeah. If they had done more with that, because, like, if you had made uh, Max more of a horn dog, it would have been... Because he even he even says it like right on the he hits it right on the head saying, I'm I'm a kid who has all these hormones coursing through my body or whatever the hell the line was. Yeah. And I was like, okay, why didn't you just show us that instead of just saying it? Right, because he doesn't actually act that way. He, he actually acts yeah. like a pretty respectful young man. Right. He doesn't act like he has all these hormones. I think through him. it would have been funnier. Sorry, this is kind of jumping on changes, but like mm. if he had this logical side, like this leader part, as Aaron had just said, and then he immediately succumbs to any sort of sexual kind of thing. We well, see, I think the reason why you don't see that happen is because the movie, you might notice, goes a little out of its own way to embody modern gender politics. Yes. Which is nothing wrong with that. We should do that in movies. But you can do that by making fun of people who are on the wrong side. And this movie doesn't even try to do that. Right. All it does That's is they are all say. these perfectly respectful young men. Which, also you're trying to make the comedy about sex, but they're all perfectly respectful young men. So where's the comedy of perfectly respectful young men? Which, it, it kind of worked out when they got to the, uh, the frat house. Because it's the, a direct f- contrast already. Yeah. But, yeah, there's nothing... Yeah, though I mean like um, the frat boy when, uh, when he breaks up with the neighbor character... They do kind of rib by poking fun at nice him. Represent, yeah, the yeah. obvious contradiction of the, <laughs> hey, the nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think the comedy with the kids is that uh, these kind of updated terms are coming out of their mouths. That sex talk of any kind is even in their vernacular. In the also funny, um, half-understood way that they speak mm-hmm. about it. I think that there's some comedy in there, and oh, yeah. I think that that was uh, kind of the smarter bits and the smarter lines because it wasn't just centered around some profanity. Right. Like, when they misunderstood certain terms. I liked to uh, win... Social piranha. Yeah. That uh, was one of them. And... I like when, uh, I think as Max says, I'm not a feminist. I oh, love yeah. women. I love um, yeah. Because feminist sounds like racist or right. sexist. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, which is something that a, a, a dumb kid would say. Yeah. yeah. Or think, yeah. And what I was saying about Max, it wasn't like he was going to be like, oh, I need this this bitch or, you know, or whatever. It's just that like maybe he had, I mean, it's terrible. It's kind of weird, but like he had an uncontrollable boner. Or something. And he had to... I don't know. God just, damn it, Ted. <laughs> put that image in your head. <laughs> no, because that actually goes to another big problem with, with me in the movie is that I, I... Which I think the movie does try to avoid, but here's the problem. For one, I don't want to see kids this young being horny all the time. Although the movie does kind of do that it a little bit, but then it. also it doesn't. And it's like, the movie's trying to be a horny comedy without mm-hmm. being a horny comedy. Also, there's very young children in it, so a lot of the sex stuff is kind of awkward. Right. Because these kids aren't... TV middle schoolers or TV uh, high schoolers, they actually seem like they're between 10 and 13 years old. So the flip side of that would be to make him this super sort of romantic, right? Because they already Mm -hmm. touched upon that with him having a necklace that he had made, right? right? And they should have either gone with that because there was just, again, it was just kind of very in the middle. Uh, Either Thor or Lucas had more of a consistency. If I may, I see, I was actually, now I've already kind of answered my own statement here, but I was going to say where I thought you were going or kind of how I feel is that 
all three of the kids are kind of the same. They each just have this tacked on one extra, one extra sentence that makes them somewhat different. But that's not a full character. They're right. all the same, just with he's the quote-unquote romantic one. He's the dreamer. He's the, I would call Lucas the scared one. Yeah. So they're essentially the same character, just one little nuance. And I liked your point, Richard, that the movie is trying to be a horny comedy without being a horny comedy. Uh, and that is its major problem. Like, I was actually worried that it would uh, try to push the envelope from the very first scene mm -hmm. because it is a straight-up homage to American Pie. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, the difference is you don't see what a 20-year-old actor playing a high schooler does and that R-rated comedy. Right. But uh, Will Forte is definitely attempting to channel Eugene Levy in oh, his yeah. conversation. Oh, and even that felt like too awkward to suspend disbelief. Because he's not talking... A dad can talk to you, or any parent can talk to you embarrassingly, but he went... He said things that he wouldn't say, like masturbating sexually. I mean, you're making the parent an idiot at that point, which right. is fine to make them ignorant or silly when they talk to you. But to make them say something that human beings have never said before, or to talk in the same kind of language that the child would speak in. It didn't go down the right path. It was like trying to be too much of one thing or another. At least when they introduced the girl, the college girls, or high school girls, yeah. it seemed like it was more or less on the realistic side, or more, more toned down. And then it yeah. went to the hyper, really weird stuff with the kids. I thought that uh, the high school girls, too, was uh, a pretty interesting gender swap on a convention. Oh, yeah. Typically in the movie of like young boys getting into hijinks, it's uh, older boy bullies that they absolutely run afoul right. of and then spend the entire movie running away from. Right. I thought it was funny and interesting and fresh to have at these two high school girls that they pissed off and stole the drugs of. I actually like that a lot too and I like them. I thought they were funny. I laughed more when they reacted to the boys than when the boys were actually doing their bits. Again, because they had that sense of... Because they were real people. They were real people. Yeah, it's, it's like they were trying to do too much of some extreme thing. That That's why I couldn't really attach myself to any of the characters except for the breakup where she does break up with her frat boy who sells them ecstasy that breakup came out of nowhere yeah it was literally like the second scene we had seen them in yeah. and i mean the scene was still funny because we you guys touched on it briefly where he walks away and he's like well next time you wonder where all the nice guys are <laughs> and then he starts to walk away and he's like what did you say yeah. <laughs> she's like, did you say something yeah. she's like no <laughs> Hoping that she'll call him back, but right. she doesn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. That could also be some high school relationships. But I didn't feel like she was, wasn't was cold towards him. I feel like he was an asshole, but yeah. I, don't, I never felt like she was an asshole. No. And so that it struck me as weird that she just kind of breaks up with him instantly it without was, like a bigger thing happening. It, just, right. it, was just, it was a scene that was like the breakup existed in that scene because that's what had to happen for the movie. Not because that's what the characters wanted. Well, it almost seemed like presented in such a way that she, it seemed like she was just using him for, for drugs, I guess. I didn't actually get that impression like, of the character Not in the sense of like... <laughs> It's like a perk. Oh, okay, so the first thing we see them in is like he's pressing her up against the car, and she seems to be backing up away a little bit, trapped between him and the car, and then the guys are the Stranger Things scene. Yeah. That kind of interrupts it. Would you, would you agree that's how it is? Because uh, I'm trying to remember that scene where we initially see her and him, the frat guy. Well, uh, not to lift a word that was said like 50 times in the movie, uh, in a good way, it seemed consensual to me. Okay. I, that's how I read it, too. I When I saw them, I did not feel like, there was no danger sense I didn't think to it was me, dangerous, like... but it just seemed like 
she was done with it. I didn't feel like we knew he was an asshole until the the other scene we saw him in. Other than he calls them Stranger Things, which I think right. is a dumb joke. So she should leave him for that. I mean, granted, I I will. I'm I'm not saying that it was entirely fleshed out. Well, I like that you at least see them uh, before the girls are introduced as a plot point because plot wise, one good thing I can oh, see yeah. about this movie is it is pretty tight. Like yeah. uh, even for a comedy. Within the plot, you know, there isn't that much ancillary, and everything seems to fit in. Absolutely. It does not really meander. It goes from scene to scene. You always know exactly what they want and what they need to achieve and what's standing in their way. And for as much as I probably don't care to ever see this movie again, I also, I never felt like it needed to be over before it was over, in the sense that I I didn't, like, I wasn't staring at my watch or anything like that, because it does you are always being propelled forward. And that is pretty impressive, especially nowadays. It seems like lots of people have a real hard time with that. Did the highway scene, like, terrify you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it did. They are so young. There are so many fast cars. Not only that, my initial reaction is like, why are there no drivers being like, what the fuck are these kids we doing? We should stop. Pull... Yeah, yeah. See, that's... If I, were, if I were any of the drivers, I'd be like, what the fuck are these kids doing? And pull over and try to help them. It was too realistic. And again, I bet if you're... But if you're younger, I bet if you're like a teenager and you see the movie, you probably won't think about it. But I think that when you get a little bit older and you experience things like car accidents and like have either children of your own or nieces and nephews and stuff like that, yeah, seeing that it's a terrifying scene. Yeah. Because they are just little kids. That too, you know, happened by the kids being like dumb in a contrived way. Like, yeah. That's the word right there, contrived, yes. Yes. Like, no freaking way would they be in the middle of doing something that two-thirds of them were too freaked out to even think about two minutes ago just to check their cell phones. Right, you're talking about they make it half... The traffic is stopped on the interstate. They make it halfway through. The only reason why the traffic starts up again where they're in danger is because they stop... He answers his phone or checks his phone, and then they have a little argument right in the middle of eight lanes of speeding traffic, which you're right makes no sense for anyone especially as you said it took so much goading just to get started when the cars weren't moving at all and like i can hear so many justifications for this being their kids their kids this is how kids think but the importance of this party still trumping replacing his dad's drone is something i didn't believe i thought it was crazy that uh they still wanted the drone just so he wouldn't be grounded for the party because you know like this whole one party that these outcast underdogs that we're supposed to be rooting for have this opportunity to get to, like in Superbad, like in Booksmart, there's a finality to that because it is the last one before the end of high school. Therefore, it can't happen again. Right. They are two weeks into sixth grade. Like We can understand that that's how they see it, but for us to go through the motions with them, it didn't feel that way. But see, I don't, I don't think it's going to translate to most adult humans because... High school can still work for us because you are, it's like your transition into like a big life changing moment that everyone probably recalls pretty strongly. But middle school and watching these people so young, I don't think any, anyone is really going to have the strong connection to that because it is so uh, inconsequential. Whereas like so inconsequential in a way that I don't, I barely remember sixth grade for the most part. But see, I think that's where... And certainly, by the way, even if people did have parties or went over to people's houses, it wasn't a party that... Like that? Like, parents were around for sure because you're 12. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what's going down in the basement. I don't know. I did did think it was funny because I kept thinking about the movie. I hope there's a parent there when they get there because no... 
No parent would leave the house with their 12-year-old alone and be like, yeah, have a party. Or if they didn't have a party, a 12-year-old just wouldn't be left alone overnight. It just right, right. would not happen. But see, I feel and like... And so it was funny that the parent did answer the door and she was just oblivious. But that that's, again, you have to insert Negligent. something so kind of absurd. Her literally saying, I don't care what's happening in the basement see, or whatever. See, I think if they went more toward the absurd, because this is what I'm saying. They, went, they were trying to do a little bit of both. If they went completely absurd... I would have been fine. So you're saying change no the tone of the movie where like, it's not even trying to be own, real in yeah, any way. Right, it's right. Just, they're in their own reality. It's just an allegory kind of, if, yeah. it were, if you were. Because then that would have been, I would have been. Yeah, I think that could have worked. Yeah. Um, or either or doing, the more realistic where parents are constantly intervening. Or yeah, they're just, they're, they are off in their own world and we see them. Because there were really weird situations that they were placed in, and in the way the movie presents it, it's as if it's norm, uh, commonplace. And if they made it to where these kids went on these this misadventure, and yeah, as you said, like parents or uh, adults had intervened more often uh, than yeah, because like that scene where Max is yelling at the uh, the sales person. Oh, at the electronic store. But yeah, but they treated it as if it was normal for this kid, this sixth grader, to be throwing out profanity at this person, and she just took it like, right? Yeah, she didn't like, like this yeah. is normal, right? And I think she literally says like, "Chill out, Max," or something yeah. like that. Which also, she's on a first name basis with this child yeah. she just met. See, that's my point. It's like they treat it as if it's normal, but then at other times it's not. So there's this. I weird... think what you're saying might be that they could have gone away where. The kids see this entire world of their own, but every once in a while the movie steps out and shows you that's not actually what's happening. Right, kind of exactly. Like a they way. should have kind of gone that like, way. It's how they feel, but right. it's not really how everyone around... Like, the, the parents are still, like, over here. Yeah. And it's not the end of the world. It's yeah. just... It's not that dangerous. So where, it's not that crazy. To where Aaron said, yeah, it's very contrived, even with the police officer and the... Uh, uh, I love that guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love the call <laughs> he makes to his wife. Yeah, I decided I don't want kids. <laughs> I think that that is, that is a really well-written scene in that actor. I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head. He was in Veep, though. He's very funny. I love how that scene's written, though, because it is it is conflict that does not need to exist, but in a way that's hilarious because the conflict is that the cop just so does not want to engage. That's the conflict. Anymore. The conflict yeah. could be that he could catch the kids. That's what the kids think the conflict is, but the cop's conflict is... Leave me the fuck alone. I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> but they keep... But you have Lucas's character who has to be... Host of vomit honesty of all the time. And so at every turn, he's trying to convince, confess all these crimes. Sometimes not even crimes. Just right. like delinquency. Like right. skipping school and stuff. And the cop is just trying that, so hard to just... <laughs> and that would be my point. Right? Where the po police officer wants to do his own thing, and these kids are off in their own little... Where they didn't necessarily do anything wrong. But mm -hmm. Yeah, so like it affects the normal world, but they can do off... Uh, they can do their own weird stuff, mm -hmm. and then there's the... It's just that people don't care, yeah. yeah. If if every interaction with adult were similar to that, that would be a funnier movie, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that that, too, uh, is another credit for the writing... For that poignancy of the fear that they have of against authority figures, they're not in their like rebellious days yet. Right. That was actually something that I was thinking about. Something that I would almost be interested in seeing um, when they meet up with the girls at the end, and uh, the dynamic between them changes in a great way. It's like I'm curious how different these kids would be at the end of high school, starting where they are now. Yeah. I like the I liked when they met the girls. I mean, well, at first I, it made me very uncomfortable because the girls are very high on ecstasy, and they're now suddenly with two very young boys. 
So I was like, please don't go anywhere weird scene. Please yeah. don't. <laughs> but uh, Especially when they sat on the couch. That's where, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, let's not. That's where the, you can see where the, the those two those two uh, female, I guess they're the female leads more or less, uh, and the boys differ kind of like where Ted was saying about their, when you're talking about the characters being, you know, pretty one-dimensional or whatever. The girls really weren't. For most of the movie, they wanted this very specific thing. They want because they wanted the drugs, because they wanted to go to the concert, and they wanted to, like they just wanted to have a nice night. That's why they were chasing the kids. They didn't really have any ill will towards the kids. They just right, wanted right. this thing that the kids weren't get back to them. And then when they were done, when all when they got what they wanted, they were actually really nice to the kids because they even kind of say we we know what it's like to be in that position. We right. remember feeling that, that way. Kissing party thing. Because they're not just they're not just drugs whereas like lucas is just honesty and you know uh, max is just the girl they the two female leads have that they want this now but also they're real people who can see who can have empathy for different situations and you know that they're they're more adult obviously and that's the thing but i don't think that i don't want to use an excuse though just because they're young means they need to be so flat as characters speaking of drugs and I guess once again about contrivancy, that exchange at the playground should have gone down perfectly. This whole anti-drug thing, which yes, they kind of established that at the beginning. And I know that the movie is called Good Boys. Does that make any sense to you that they are so virulently anti-drug that they would allow their goal the drone to get away instead of just handing back these two teenagers their ecstasy i think that goes to the movie wants you to believe that these kids are old enough to essentially want to kiss the girl or drink the beer or whatever and say 20 swear words in five right. minutes yes. but they're also oh, yeah so young because i feel like what you're talking about like someone would be like no drugs are just bad would be a five-year-old or six-year-old who literally they've only heard talking points put at them mm -hmm. that's they, what it feels like for this for these characters yeah, or put them in a parochial school or show that their parents are fucking warped dingbats right the kids could be anti-drug but you're right to the extent that they would do all these other shitty things but absolutely refuse to get a somewhere between three and six hundred dollar drone back just by giving someone something that belonged to them in the first place. But do you feel like they're, in terms of storytelling, right, they have like something that holds them back. So in this case for Thor, it's his peer pressure, his inability to allow himself to just be however he wants to be. Not entirely sure with Lucas, is it because he doesn't want to lose anyone? Yeah, codependency. Yeah, there you go. There one, you yeah. go. Okay. Um, with that, do you ever feel like throughout the movie, those fears and those ghosts held them back in certain ways? Like Thor was pretty clear in terms of the highway scene. But with Max, it didn't feel that way because his first, his primary goal was, well, his initial goal was to kiss Brixley. But now it seemed like for a bulk of the movie, it was to get the uh, the drone Just in because... terms of like the character, like their primary motive. Well, that like I was saying before, that's because it's kind of weak. You yeah. think that the central conflict now is getting the drone back. Right. But right. it's going to the party. But it felt like a detour, right? Because the party, they don't. 
for a good stretch, they pretty much only talk about and work towards the drone. Right. The party is something they introduced. It's almost like the movie was 45 minutes long and someone said, how do we get another 45 minutes out of this That's movie? That's exactly what I'm saying, yes. Connect I think everything we've identified is true about, like we talked about what each character's issue is, but I don't think the movie ever truly addresses them. I think, the, I think it does, but it does in the kids stopping and saying... I don't want to be this way or I am this way or whatever. It's just, it's comedy, action-y kind of scene. And then everyone stops and the three boys stand around each other and it's like, no, peer pressure and goals. And then they move on again and then they don't talk about it. It's not actually integrated into the story. It's it's stopping for a five-minute powwow where we talk about the emotional beat of the story and then we go on to the adventure right. again. Yeah, well... At the end, they do become more defined. I guess, like, the journey was for definition. Uh, Lucas uh, settled into more of a nerdy clique that better represents his values while his friends have strayed. Max becomes just that friend of yours that's perpetually in a relationship. I definitely had one of those. (laughs) Thorne becomes, he gets into theater. He becomes a theater kid, (laughs) a theater star. But what a weird arc to have, which is to say we're undefined and now we're defined and we're all defined in three different ways. It, It's an arc that does happen in life, sure. I guess it's just, it's mushy. It's not, it's not as, it's not as clear as... Like, it's not a web of a certain idea. Like, the yeah. idea of, like, they're all grown apart or they should be, it felt like they were all kind of... It's almost like touching the, on each individual, like a different idea. It's almost like the movie could be saying they weren't really supposed to be friends to begin with. They're just also different. Yeah, if you were to. But the movie does so doesn't. It's not bold enough to actually say that directly, or not directly, but make it more pronounced of the. It directly says it in the voice of one of the older girls. That you know, you the people that you stay friends with, you meet later in life. Right, is right. essentially what she says. That is the movie giving its thesis. Yeah, but that's only toward the second half where we actually see that. In the beginning, we don't ever get this fear that they're all going to be separating. Right. right? If that's, I guess that's what I meant by mushy is that it wasn't this clear trajectory of the film. It became right. a trajectory of the film. But the beginning of the film just seems like they are best friends, which I, you do actually. You kind of have to show that though to make any kind of separation feel like anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that from the beginning, you know, the first time when they're just going to school together, and you know, their conversation clicks. But then, like, let's compare it to like Booksmart and Superbad. Like with Superbad, it's the end of high school. Same idea, right? Except for them, they had already jumped over to middle school. They're already they're now sixth graders, right? Whereas the other with Booksmart and Superbad. Change was coming. It, it was didn't coming. just come. Yeah, it was already established in the beginning, and you could see all the like the ride up until that point. If you're going to set in middle school, why couldn't it have been eighth grade? Yeah, not eighth grade because if they were any older than they are, it wouldn't supposed to be funny when they said fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But there you go. I yeah. mean, yeah. But yeah, like um, in Super Bad, by the time you meet those characters, Evan and Jonah are very different people but you still see why they're best friends right same thing with book smart with those mm-hmm. two protagonists mm-hmm. which like, they should have done with this because at least with that it was very clear you see such a support between the two main characters right that yeah even if they can be even if they disagree or whatever like especially i just saw books more more recently so it's the one i'm thinking of the most which is like you see those girls have each other's back at every turn and so and have all these in jokes that they don't fully explain but you know they're in jokes you can pick up really and easily because yeah. you just the way that they're played so by the time there's any conflict between them it's devastating 
because you just feel like real friendships. Whereas this, I guess that's something that could have strengthened the beginning of the movie is yeah. to see how they, not just how they get along, but how they are there for each other, how they help each other, um, how they support one another, because that's ultimately what the meaningful part of a friendship is. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's basically just Max uh, trying to drag his friends into increasingly sordid hijinks, and then just going along. Like they, they don't really give very much resistance. They. One of my problems is that they sometimes say that they do, but then don't actually. Nobody. Nobody tries to walk away or stop anyone else, but I feel like Lucas pretty frequently says, I don't want to do this, but then just does it anyway. Uh, changes I would make is hire a director and or editor. Yeah. <laughs> Part of it was like, uh, it's just kind of a small point. I just noticed it throughout, uh, apart from some shots, uh, but the editing and cinematography was just kind of like, I... It, it is... Uh, sorry, you can finish your thought. Yeah, like, if you if you compare it to Booksmart, like, the, the use of visual storytelling was... The kinetic energy in that the movie. Kin- yeah, yeah, was a lot better. Whereas this one, they had different shots that really didn't quite string along very well. I will I will say one good shot that I liked was when... Uh, ugh, I just forgot his name. Oh, Max uh, stood in the middle, and you had Lucas over his right shoulder, and then you had Thor over his left as they were trying to influence his decision about taking yeah, the throne. Yeah. The angel and the devil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that was the only thing that I noticed. But then again, they're always standing like that. Right, they're, they're just always in a row anyway. <laughs> they're always... Um, but yeah, the, the... So let's add blocking to our list of complaints. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> the great thing about what you're touching on with Booksmart is that close-ups and quick shots tell a story that the characters aren't telling us. Tell us... Gives a, give us insights into their personalities without us wasting time so the movie can keep moving forward. This movie never does that. It is always just someone... The camera should probably be pointed at the kids, right? Yeah? yeah? Okay. I will be more forgiving in that as a comedy. To be perfectly honest, I think Booksmart was exceptional as mm-hmm. far as cinematography yeah. goes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I agree. And this is just uh, worse than I will let most comedies be. It's okay for comedies to look bad. Uh, it I reminds suppose. me... It reminds me of watching Apatow. an Apatow. Yeah, that's exactly. It's just that's where yeah. all of his all of the magic he's, is in the dialogue, as opposed yeah. to watching whatever we're watching. He's not a technical director. He's no. a, yeah, he's and a this kid. is yeah. This is technically like a kind of third generation Apatow production yeah. mm-hmm. because Absolutely. these are the people that are supported now by Seth Rogen. Right. <laughs> Been around that long. Get so, a little army, um, but yeah, like I mean, also just for the audience, just in case, because I know sometimes we do this and we we brush over it. But if you're not familiar, Judd Apatow directed, you know, kind of most famously Knocked Up, but also Funny People in a lot of numbers. Super bad. He did not uh, direct Super Bad, ver- but he produced it. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. my mistake. Forty old virgin. Forty old virgin. Yes, um, the forty old virgin. This is forty. Did he direct that? I think so. He did. Yes. 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 yes, yes. So there, there this are comedies that old. are striking, or this movie tries to emulate in ways. Although, I'd go back and forth in Apatow. He is meandering. His things are always kind of funny the first time you see them, but yeah. man, are they a slog the second and third time you see them. Yeah. Because they are at minimum a half hour too long. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. This movie did yeah. not suffer from that problem, no. surprisingly. But uh, on the cinematography and everything, though, the what made it stand out to me was that I rolled my eyes when the drone, I think it's in, yeah, it's when uh, Max activates it in the playground uh, drug deal mm-hmm. and it flies away from her and then the girls are running away and it does like the what is it the north by northwest shot where they leap into the front oh, yeah. of the camera yes i remember i rolled my eyes at that partially because i mean it's super cliche but also because it made me realize in retrospect that's the only time you did anything interesting with the camera yes okay yeah exactly. <laughs> and it was to rip off someone else or parody maybe but 
I think that's a stretch. Yeah. yeah, it was like the first time that the camera was any uh, height from the ground other than eye level with yeah. one of the protagonists. Right. I mean, I guess there were some aspects. I guess when uh, Max is doing his confident walk back over to Brixley. Because, yeah. they, because it kind of went into slow motion for a second. Yeah. Well, so the, the editor is, like, did it, something. It did that shot where it's just slightly under him. Um, oh, to show his like, like height his, and confidence. Yeah, exactly. But apart from, uh, like only a very, it's very sparingly. Mm-hmm. When they could have just employed it throughout, um, and not I'm not saying to the extent of Booksmart because that was just through and through, really oh. just done really well. But don't have it be like Apatow. That might be the best change suggestion. Don't make it be like Apatow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just wraps it up really nicely. I like that. But the editing uh, is where I had the biggest issue. But. In fairness to this movie, I've actually been feeling this a lot as I've been watching movies. It feels like shots are being cut too short or at awkwardly, yes. that they're not using close-ups enough, uh, especially in comedies. So much about comedy is timing, and you know, sometimes I felt like the deliveries could have done again. Like, did they not have time for another take? Right. Or just so many jokes don't land or seem awkward because of the timing and because of the cut and because of the shot. You're right. There's not really reaction shots. And it's not that characters don't react, but it's that there's not another shot of the character reacting, which is a very common thing just to do in coverage. And I, either they got coverage and wasted all that time or they no one bothered to get coverage. I, I have a theory. I think it's because with kids, I know their contracts are they can only work a certain number of hours, right? And so maybe that's why they didn't have as many shots. I mean, that's just an idea. I'm not entirely sure. I have nothing really to back this no, up. No, it's a good theory. But uh, but you weren't getting a cutaway. But you, yeah, it, you didn't yeah. get another shot of mm-hmm. another reaction, right? So it was just all, whatever they could do in that one go, and then that's it. Yeah, or maybe if um, the joke is uh, something between two people, there could be a different angle that just frames them. Mm-hmm. And if it's a joke uh, about them being in conflict with one another, they could be framed in conflict. I mm-hmm. mean, just oh, I having know. the three kids sit and stand in a line and shoot them was, yeah. you know, a great summation of <laughs> yeah, uh, the direction of did. this movie. Yeah. It's very stylistically just dull. Yeah. Um, if your movie is really top-notch in, like, the characters and the acting, then you can afford some stylistic weakness, but mm-hmm. this movie doesn't have top-notch everything else. It's serviceable. Right. Serviceable, <laughs> yeah. But So, therefore, but also, if you have something that's serviceable, not bad, but serviceable, but you punch it up with really good style, then you can elevate it that way. This movie just stays kind of half-assed the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, a better version of it already exists um if you guys have seen uh pen 15 on hulu i haven't yet but i want to watch it i've heard nothing but very good things it's Uh, yeah have hulu steal his uh have my hulu (laughs) hulu stop don't listen to that disney stay away (laughs) cut disney's after us now (laughs) hey i wrote that article about the whole stream they're already after us god damn it but uh, all the enemies to make, not Disney. Not Disney. But yeah, it's about middle school, and of course, it does touch on adult topics because being a tween is starting that journey into adulthood. Yeah. And um, it's not you know raunchy for raunchy's sake, and it's way more thoughtful and way better written and performed. Right. Raunchy for raunchy's sake is how this movie was. The way the theme was toward the end of the movie, I would have had Lucas as the main character. Because really? he's the one... Okay, so the idea is that they're all going to separate. They're all going to kind of go off into different paths, right? 
Lucas is the only one that kind of really holds on to that. He's the one who's trying to keep the group together. Max is trying to get... Oh, so his arc is the biggest because he lets go of, like, the central part of the story. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of makes more sense. Because, like, okay, so if we take a look at Max, his his motivation is to kiss Brixley, Mm -hmm. right? But then it goes on to a detour where it's mostly about getting the drone back. Yeah, sure, to get to the party. There's no pull for him to do that, right? Right. And if you were to say that for the drone, maybe, okay, so they're supposed to be good boys. Maybe their their father is a real authoritarian. Which he's not shown as such. As not, yeah, exactly. So then again, it's again a really weak... I don't think anyone's con- called Will Forte authoritarian. <laughs> no, no, I will say, he, is, he has gotten better looking in this. Again, so because Max is the main character, his whole trajectory just seems to kind of like waver... Right, whereas Lucas is more solidified, and it's really. In I line think with... Thor is equally as solid. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Or Thor. Yeah, or Thor. I, yeah, I would say Thor because the he's pressure, the only yeah. one of the three of them that actually has some kind of drive or passion. And he also consciously decides. I mean, Lucas changes because he doesn't really have a choice because everyone just decides to break up the family and or their group. But isn't that kind of the part where it's but, like you learn to my thing accept is and kind but of But an act of protagonist is always more interesting. So you can still be in the movie, but Thor actually decides both, I will re-engage in music and no, I will not kiss the girl that you like. He takes more of a stand on what he needs. And you wants. could still argue that Lucas could have a more active role in the sense of instead of trying to hold everything together, he decides to venture into something else, which is when he goes into Scab. If the movie showed us if that. If it showed us that. If it was better written, right. you're saying? But then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is where it goes with changes. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's, that's my thing. I don't think that joining Scab is actually a big departure from to who, who he was. was. Right. Yeah. Like, I think he changed the least, if okay. at all. I, I, get, I get what you're saying. I, I agree. I think he, he just finds another happen. place to be himself. Yeah. Yes. I was just trying to find... Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I, I would say that Thor would probably be a better thing, especially for that age group. He remains the youngest, yeah. both spiritually and... You know. He just finds another group. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, good point. The so favorite scenes. Could we do favorite scenes? I'm not actually going to give a full scene because I don't know that there's a whole scene that I would call my favorite scene, but just the shot of... What's... The girl's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend's name, the college, the frat dude who sells the molly. The frat dude that sells the molly. That's Just the shot where he gets shot in the face. (laughs) (laughs) There was something just so satisfying about that. When um, they go to the frat house to buy molly to replace the molly that they accidentally stole from the other. I mean, they stole it on purpose, but they didn't know it was molly. From the two college, uh, the high school girls. And then they have to go in and buy some more. And he... He's not going to sell it to them because they're kids. And then he says, uh, Max okay. whips out a paintball gun and starts freaking out. Which? And he's, they, I actually really like that line where he's just like, okay, I don't care. I'm not your parent. I mean, because he's yeah. a douchebag. That's what he would say. Right. And then uh, there's a sound. There's like an air horn sound, which causes Max to panic. Yeah. And he just shoots him directly in the face with a paintball. And the camera, sh- like the shot just stays on it. And you see the paintball just shatter on just his face. Splattered. Yeah. <laughs> Although he didn't have uh, the the can of compressed air scene. Also too much. They showed in that same sequence, they showed a close-up of someone getting shot in the crotch, which also looked very painful, mainly because I think someone really got shot in the crotch. Yeah. Or they had, because they were in sweatpants, so yeah. it was like kind of graphic in a yeah. weird way. Cause it's stuff almost like flops about as it gets hit with the paintball. Team from Jackass <laughs> decided to, hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and this is, I don't know. Favorite scene? I'm trying to think of one. You have one, Aaron? Off uh, the top of your head. Either of the two with Soren in it? Oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely. That kid, honestly, props to him. Yes. Coolest kid I've ever seen. 
You know, like, it's not just that he has great style. It's not just that he is confident in a unreal, however totally believable way. It's that he has the respect of all of those kids. You know, <laughs> not just because he, you know, lives in a nice house or has wealthy parents. It's just his vibe. Yeah. It's because he's he's this cool, collected... He... He does. He clearly does and likes cool things, but he's not an asshole about it. Yes. Right. <laughs> he has values. Yeah. You know, he values loyalty. He sees the cool kid. The cool kid wants to bring his dorky friends to this party and goes, All yeah, right. you know what? I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I he, like that kid. He might be one of the best characters in the movie. For I sure. will have to say. Yeah. Uh, one he? of the best. I think he might be the yeah, best. Yeah. He, he's probably the best. <laughs> yeah. Soren Wentz, the movie should have been about him. Yeah. There's yeah. your change. It's a movie that follows Soren through the same day. We just see the other kids when he interacts with them yes <laughs> i'd have to say i'm gonna have to jump with aaron on that that was really good oh i do love sorry i'm not gonna pick another favorite senior thing but i do love it's in the montage actually when lucas is the bully patrol and he goes he crosses the cafeteria that's what made me think of it yeah. to stop someone from being bullied <laughs> yes. and he knocks like three people's trays over as he does it essentially bullying people uh, yeah, along exactly. the way <laughs> that made me see laugh. if it was like that that's what i mean like they're off in their own little world thinking that whatever they're doing is good the movie but touched on a, a, com- a comedic style that could have been throughout the movie. Throughout the movie, well. yes, that. Yeah, and I mean, do you know if those things exist? What? I've never heard of them, but I mean, Me I mean, there was the safety patrol when I was in middle school. Oh, but this is oh, specifically not bowling specifically that I was aware no, of. Yeah, and I mean, and it feels like something that could come out of the zeitgeist. I mean, oh yeah, if yeah. they're <laughs> having school shooting drills, even if might... it's, even if it's not yeah. a real thing, I believe that. It's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, could that go well? I mean, did you guys read The Wave in middle school? The wa- Leaving it up to kids is... Nope. Not really a great idea. What's The Wave? Yeah, kids policing other kids. That sounds like some Stanford. I was just about to yeah. say Stanford. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, this is tacked on, but uh, that's actually the point of me bringing it up. That uh, final gag with the sex swing. Yeah. I mean... It, Why? Everything had played itself out, and they completed their arc. It was adorable seeing them all on it at the same time, not having any idea what they were doing. One of the kids was spanking the other kid. Did you see that? It, that, uh, that, it did get a, a little... It veered into them to sometimes being in two sexual positions for not knowing what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Again. But yeah, I mean, that, that whole... that whole yeah, Exactly. I think that sums up the whole idea of like... Same with them, the swearing. It's like, oh... They're children. Let's make them encounter another sex toy. You right. know? I think our final thoughts are probably pretty simple, which yeah. is, I mean, it could be worse, but it's certainly not great. Mm-hmm. It's inconsistent. Funny in at times. Of... The acting's fine, but it really doesn't hold up to any number of movies about the same basic topic that are right. better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh... It asks the question, could a raunchy 2019 comedy exist with tweens? And the answer is... Sure, you'd like to see that movie when they make it? Like, <laughs> the world says yes, but it does so with a shrug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aaron, I don't know if you want to plug anything. I don't know if you want to tell people where they can find you on social media. It's totally up to you. If you want to keep yourself private or if you've got something to share, now's your time. Oh, gee. Uh, yeah, for the hell it. of it, uh, I am at Aronovich Joker on Twitter. A-A-R-O-N-O-V-I-C-H Joker, one word. 
And uh, a while ago, I self-published a uh, ebook. It's a short story anthology called Sweet. "The Lamentable Fate of Mr. Fluffpaws and Other Stories." <laughs> <laughs> so it's cheap and it's short and it's funny. And if you're interested, uh, go ahead and read it. Thank you. Nice. Awesome. Uh, where can people find that? Oh, that is at smashwords.com, okay. or uh, just Google the uh, title, and it's one of the uh, first uh, links to come up. Sweet. I have uh, no reason of knowing that. I, it's just an assumption I make. I, I haven't done that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go find Aaron there. You can find us at characterarc.net. You can find us at characterarc on Facebook, at characterarc on Instagram. Thank you for listening to the Character Arc Podcast. My name is Richard. My name is Ted. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me.